Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Great Glass Podcast. This podcast is going to attempt to deconstruct the romance of winemaking. My name is Joe. And my name is Colby. And we're just a couple of friends that share a passion for making wine. And we would love to share a passion with everybody else. There is so much that goes behind how wine is made. And most people don't know the dirty job it actually is, the long hours and the hard work. And we just want to be able to share how much we love what we do and how much effort is put into every glass of wine that we that we drink. So let's start from the beginning, at least for us. Joe and I met last August of 2021, and this idea for the podcast came about when we were just hanging out in the lab during harvest, chatting about how there are no podcasts out there that go behind the scenes. They are mostly just psalms talking about how to taste wine, or pair with food, and nothing behind production or chemistry or microbiology of wine, which is a very big part of wine. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that's all of wine. Our goal to create an environment for microbes to live in, and then to pull off those microbes and create an environment for them not to live in so we can drink it and enjoy it. So it's a weird balance and craft and it's a lot of fun so our plan with this podcast is to talk about the ins and outs of everything that Obi and I experience on a day-to-day basis and even the things that we don't experience on a day-to-day basis the things that you know whoa that only happened to us once and here's why that might have happened and here's our best reasoning or understanding of why that happens and neither of us claim to be experts in knowing everything about wine For both of us, we are fairly young in the wine industry as far as experience goes. I'm roughly in my 16th year of making wine. And Colby, I think you're in what, year four, five? I think this is year five. Year five. And we'll generally count it by harvest. If you don't, if you've never worked in the wine industry, that's, you'll, you'll hear us talk about seasons or harvests. And that's kind of how in the wine industry, we talk about it because there are some jobs like when Colby and I met, we met at Union last fall for harvest. I came in as a graveyard slash consulting winemaker for Union for the fall season. And so that's where Colby and I met. And so I count that as working as my 2021, I guess, season or year. So Our plan is we're going to start with job titles that you can have in a winery and just progress from there. If anybody has any ideas or questions, we always take those. But let's start from the beginning. And so, Colby, why don't you tell us your journey? Yeah, so I like to talk about how I am actually from a wine family. My dad has worked at wineries for over 30 years in production. My mom was in multiple tasting rooms. Two of my older brothers have worked bottling lines or in the cellar in the summers between school, and I've had numerous aunts, uncles, cousins have all worked in wine somehow. I was never actually planning on being in the wine industry, never even thought about it until after I graduated college and I moved home. I was fighting with my parents quite a bit, and they wanted me to get a job and just get out of their house for a couple hours a day. And I needed something temporary. I was planning on going to travel the world for a little bit and live with my sister. And there weren't very many jobs where I was living. There were tasting room jobs and then there were cellar jobs. And 
the day before I was supposed to start as a tasting room associate, I actually got offered a job as a seller intern at one of our larger wineries in town. And I chose that instead. And I am so glad that I did. I ended up making a lot of friends and actually a couple of people I went to high school with were working there as well. And I didn't know until I started my first day. From there, one of those guys and another intern had actually talked about working in New Zealand. So I was able to travel for a few months in between harvest because New Zealand is in the Southern Hemisphere. Their seasons are different than ours or the opposite. So their harvest, which is usually our fall, is their fall from March to roughly May. So I was able to work harvest back in Washington for a few months in our fall between August and about October then travel for a few months and then work harvest down in New Zealand. I actually was able to do that because the company that I worked for back home in Washington had owned wineries all over the world. So I was able to go from Washington to New Zealand and then I decided I wanted to keep going. I ended up down in California for another harvest. So I actually did three harvests in just about a year. Wow. (laughs) It was a lot, but it was definitely worth it. And I wouldn't change it. I mean, I would probably keep doing it if I, if I could, but my student loan repayment kicked back in and I decided that I needed a full-time job. I wasn't sure if I actually wanted to be in winemaking still. I knew I wanted to be close to home, but I didn't want to be home again with my parents. So I applied for a job in Walla Walla, Washington, and I became a lab tech at a small to medium-sized winery for just over two years. And then I, in smaller wineries, it's really hard to move up. You kind of have to wait your turn. And that could be anywhere from one year to 30 plus years to move up to the next, to the next position. And I felt like I had learned all that I could at that winery and I was ready for, for more. And from there, I was able to get my current job as the enologist at Union. And I've been there for about nine months now. Awesome. Well, yeah, you did start from wanting to be in wine at all, but I don't know many people that want to dive into the same career as their parents. Honestly, once you live in that environment, you really don't want to participate in it, but okay. Yeah. And I just remember my dad coming home and smelling like wine and I didn't know why he smelled like barrels all the time. And it was just really weird to me. And I knew that I did not want to smell like barrels, but here I am. <laughs> There, right. there, there were smells. <laughs> Even in the wine industry, there's worse smells than barrels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For me, you know, I took kind of a different journey. I didn't get to travel as much as Kobe did because I didn't work for a large corporation. In fact, when I graduated from college, that was kind of the last type of winery I really wanted to work at. But my tone has changed over the years. But at the beginning, I was never around wine as a kid. My parents didn't have it in the house. They didn't taste wine. They weren't wine people. And so I didn't even know really anything about it. I knew, it, obviously I knew it existed, but as far, that was about as far as it went. I think when I was a kid, when I was like six, seven, my parents went on a trip through Napa Valley and they stopped at one winery, which I think I remember was Erringer. They must've heard it from one of their friends or something like that. And they stopped at it. And I remember being super bored, except for the vineyard trip, the little, it was like a tractor or run or something like that. I thought was kind of cool. I mm-hmm. think mostly at that age, it's probably because I was getting to ride on a tractor more than <laughs> going around a vineyard because six or seven, that's what you're about as a little boy. Oh but yeah, of course. That's the that's everyone's dream at that age. Right, right. 
So after graduating high school, I went to Washington State University for zoology. I wanted to be a zookeeper. That was my goal. That was what I thought my life was going to be all about. I had worked with farm animals and at vet offices all through high school and junior high. And so I thought that's what I wanted. And then I left WSU two years later, almost before flunking out with a 1.1 or DPA, just something that I worked hard at. People who flunk out, they actually have to try. I always tell people that. But at that time, I'd met a lovely, lovely woman. And my then fiance, who's now my wife, obviously, was still going to college at Linfield College at that time. It's now Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon. And she basically told me, hey, you got to find a job. I was like, yeah, I do. So I found a seller hand job at Carlton Winemaker Studio in Carlton, Oregon. So kind of like Colby, we all start in the cellar, pulling hoses and doing the hard, the hard grunt work. And I was there for two seasons. I always say it was the hardest uh, job I'd ever done in my life. Worked, you know, it's the 80 hours a week or 90 hours a week and you're yanking hoses and you're lifting heavy valves and all that kind of stuff and driving forklift a lot, which yeah, you're sitting down, but it's a lot of brain power to not spill somebody else's wine. And so the studio was kind of cool though, because I got experience working with a lot of different winemakers. It was like a co-op. And so the winemaker rented space from the studio and I was an employee of the studio. So I was everybody's seller, which was a lot of fun just from the different viewpoint experiences I got in winemaking and I thought this is a lot of fun and so from my viewpoint I thought okay now's the time I'm just gonna start putting in the years to hopefully learn enough to make wine someday the following year after that following season after I left the studio I worked for a sparkling wine producer and I did a ton of hand riddling of bottles and we'll talk about that in the future about what riddling is and sparkling wine process and all that kind of stuff because Colby actually works for sparkling a large sparkling wine producer but they make it a completely different way than what I made there are no bottle riddling where Colby works which is awesome because they make way too much of it to yeah we've talked that. about it but there's no way we could actually do it <laughs> right and then my wife and I got married the following year after that in 2009. And I was out of the industry at that point. But I always say the, the bug was set. The bug kept falling. You know, it was, it was there. And so my wife with her degree got a job at Washington State University. And I was weirdly headed back to Pullman. Never thought I'd go back to Pullman. Never thought I'd do college again because I had such a bad GPA and all that. But she said, hey, why don't you try to go back to school? Sure. Why not? She's the smartest person I know. I listened to her and I went back to school and I found out you can get a college degree in winemaking. That really excited me. I was stoked. This time around, GPA was way better, way, way better. So yeah, I was doing good this time. I did two years up in Pullman and then I needed to do an internship since there's one, one winery in Pullman, Washington. There might be more now. There was one when I was there, but I didn't want to take a semester off from school wanted to continue taking classes while doing my internship. So we moved to Richland, Washington, where my wife works for WSU still, but just for the campus. There's a satellite campus, Washington State University in the Tri-Cities in Richland, Washington, which we'll refer to it back and forth as the same thing, probably in the podcast, because Colby knows what I'm talking about when I say the Tri-Cities. Most Washingtonians do, but there are three cities basically touching in the same area of Washington State. We call it the Tri-Cities. It's about 30 or 40 minutes down the road from where Colby grew up. So she knows it just as well as I do. But 
she was working for the satellite campus there and I got to do my internship on Red Mountain, which is a small ABA uh, viticultural area here in Washington state. And it's right next to the Tri-Cities and I got to have a lot of fun working really hard through harvest and taking classes full time. So like I said, it's a hard job, but it was a lot of fun. When I finished my studies in Richland after graduation, I got a job as an enologist and lab manager for a custom press facility here in Richland, Washington, where, to be honest, I probably learned more there than I did in college at all. College was great. I learned the nuts and bolts, but there is so, so, so much managing and running a lab in a winery that you just can't get a feeling for until you get a harvest under your belt. Your harvest begins a month before grapes come into the winery, at least a month before grapes come into the winery. College doesn't teach you that, that you start working a month, your, your overtime and all hard work starts a month ahead of everybody else. So it was a lot of learning. Being custom crush facility, I then again started working for multiple labels and winemakers. And I got to work for a really great head winemaker and, and learned so much, especially getting to apply my lab knowledge and what I did learn in college. After that, I got a job in Walla Walla, Washington exactly the same town where Kobe was with her first kind of lab manager job. But I got my job as an assistant winemaker at a small estate winery, which was way different than all the other places. It was one winery, one winemaker, and they owned their own vineyards. So that was a really a lot of fun because we got to control harvest and, you know, do all that kind of stuff, which we'll definitely go into differences in boutique and small and sizes of wineries and everything like that. That'll definitely be on our radar. From there, I worked two seasons. I moved up to the head winemaker for a season after I was the assistant the previous season. And it was a lot of fun. Again, learned so much about managing people and harvests and wine and all that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of fun. Then in 2020, like everybody knows, we found COVID and the wine industry went through a lot of financial troubles. I was laid off and the owner at the winery I was working at in Walla Walla again took back over the winemaking duties and I got laid off from that winery. And so in 2020, I missed the harvest. I got laid off early 2020. And so I missed harvest. I was home being a dad and a husband and just kind of wading through this world that is, was COVID, is COVID. I don't even know. We're all kind of still in the, in the middle of it. And even as working at Union, it was still weird for me. And we will, we'll dive into with, with the episodes on jobs. We'll definitely dive into how some of those jobs were made way more difficult with COVID. Colby and I at Union, man, I have never had to deal with so much intern and personnel turnover just on the basis of people getting COVID. Yeah, and the big thing with that is just because we have to stop working doesn't mean the winemaking stops. Whether we're there or not, there's still going to be fermentation going. If we're not there, then it's on its own. And that's a big thing for winemaking and a very big issue we had with COVID is trying to make sure that at least a couple of people were able to be here the whole time. Right. And especially at the quantity in which Union makes wine, they make wine in a large capacity. And Kobe's exactly right. If 
everybody's gone. The wine wants to ferment. I always call fermenting as active spoilage. And so it's going to go bad. It wants to turn to vinegar or some form of that. And so we like to control it. And obviously in large formats, we need to control it. And so that is the weird thing when the state is telling you, hey, you can't have more than, you know, within six feet of contact, you know, that sort of thing, which... Like I said, it's definitely something we're going to dive into in the next couple episodes with jobs and tasks that people will have and want to have at the winery. But like I said earlier at the beginning, if if there's a subject that you want to hear us discuss, you know, us dive into a little bit more of how we got our jobs or positions or how that was all handled, you can feel free. We, ha- we do have an email set up at grape to glass pod pod at gmail.com definitely definitely email us and let us know and we will put it on our list of subjects colby and i have a long list we created it kind of during harvest when we were together of of all the things we wanted to talk about and it kind of you know turned into frankenstein's monster it, it definitely grew and grew and grew into quite quite the list which i'm excited about i'm super stoked for this and i hope that if anybody listens i mean it's our first episode and first podcast so we hope that somebody listens that you guys will find it as exciting as we do and that we can kind of convey that excitement and interest and intrigue and why a guy who wanted to be a zoologist and a geologist want to make wine because that's weird i think <laughs> here we are i actually don't think i know of any winemaker who went to school and have and got a degree in winemaking. Everyone that I knew studied something else and they found their passion in wine and they are all obviously very good at what they do. I think anybody, anybody right. could work and in wine. Most, most of the best winemakers I know didn't start out, didn't go to school to learn wine. I mean, goodness, Obi works with two people. One went to school for something to do with trees and the other one went to school for chickens. Yeah. And so, in fact, she got her PhD in chickens. There's obviously a better name for it. Her degree says something, and it's way more dignified than what I'm making it out to be. But it still was chickens, so somebody has to do it, I guess. But she has fallen in love with wine as well. When I was working in Walla Walla, one of the owners was a pharmacist, and the other one was a racehorse veterinarian. And then they decided to make wine. So, yeah, it's completely true. I swear nobody sets out, but maybe... One guy we worked with last harvest, he was from France and he, I think by genetics was a winemaker <laughs> because I yeah, think, I think the he's the only there. one. He, yeah. he was, he was born to be a winemaker and he was, he Damn was good, good at, at it. it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but we're excited to start this journey with you guys. I, I'm even just excited to start this journey with Colby because even if it's just Colby and I talking for an hour about wine stuff that excites me enough but we hope that we get to share it with a lot of excited people because this was something that we were looking for and both her and I had looked for it in previous years before we even met and couldn't find anything and so we just want to give the other side of winemaking the non-tasting scoring sommelier side which we'll we'll dive into some of that there will be some talk of scores and and stuff like that because that's kind of somewhat how the wine sells and and we want to talk about all facets of winemaking which some of it is selling wine so i'm excited i hope you guys are excited yes i think we're gonna actually gonna have a a problem with talking too much about wine for real i i mean i am very excited about this I, I really hope that everybody else loves what 
we do and maybe we'll be able to appreciate the glass that they're drinking a little more. We will continue this journey next next time and we hope to see you guys there. Thanks. Thank you.